Hi everybody, welcome to Designer to Designer, a podcast where we dive into deep, candid conversations with fashion designers, professionals and entrepreneurs. As a fashion designer and entrepreneur myself, the journey has sometimes been lonely, but I get over the tough times by being in good company. My mission is to make sure you never feel lonely again as you grow your fashion empire. I'm your host, Rebecca Tembo, founder of self-titled Jumpsuit Label and The Entry Platform, a platform for aspiring designers to develop their skills within entrepreneurship, design and mindset. If you enjoy this podcast episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. This week, I'm joined by Aya, the founder of Shop Nuch, a modest wear women's brand with a mission to create affordable, sustainable fashion. Aya originally majored in English literature and journalism and still hopes to pursue journalism in the future. In this episode, we have an honest conversation about sustainable fashion in the early days of a fashion brand and what Aya has learned being a businesswoman as well as a designer and what her vision for Shop Nuch is. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn so much as I definitely learned a lot as well from Aya. How do you pronounce your brand's name? It's Shop Nutri. Uh, Nutri is French for neutral. Okay. So I was, I was really inspired by my time in France when I created the line. Amazing. Okay, so what made you want to start this brand? So... I've always been interested in fashion, but I was more interested about like the behind the scenes of how a garment was made. Um, I always like wondered why a certain fabric was used, what the designer was influenced by. And it wasn't until around six years ago, I took a costume construction class as an elective at university. Mm. And it just made fashion seem so much more tangible. you know, it didn't seem um, so foreign. It felt very accessible. Um, and from there, I started just to learn how to sew, um, learn how to hand sew, how to cut patterns, um, how to use a sewing machine. And I was just always interested in it and always did it on the side of what I was studying in university. What did you study in university? Um, I majored in English literature and journalism. I really wanted to get into fashion journalism at that point. Um, So yeah, I feel like what I've I've done so far, like all these different aspects of fashion that I've done have really led me to understand like the different roles within fashion and Mm -hmm. hopefully push me to become a better journalist um, in the future. Amazing. So you still want to pursue um, journalism um, at the same time? I do, yeah. Ah. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, yeah, so going back to like when starting this brand, um, so I guess I should say um, I'm a Muslim woman who chooses to wear the hijab, which is a head covering, and I prefer to dress modestly. Um, I guess it was hard to find something that I love to wear that was also modest. Um, of course, there are plenty of like modest fashion brands now with beautiful designs, but nothing that really resonated with my style or what I wanted to wear. I also didn't want there to be a divide between those who chose to dress modestly and those who didn't. Like I, I really wanted to set out to start a fashion brand that was all 
inclusive um no matter like how you wanted to dress or you know if you wanted to dress modestly or not mm-hmm. um yeah and I also at that time was researching sustainability um I did like a dissertation style report on sustainability and what it meant at the time so I also wanted to include that in my brand okay amazing so one thing you said earlier on was that you learned the practical side of fashion like you know sewing and pattern making etc um so I'm guessing you did that yourself but like maybe the course that you did um in in costume design might have helped but is there any resources that you use to help you learn those things yeah so um I mean the course did help but it Mm. was only a semester long course which was a few months so um like I only learned the basis in that class I think what really helped is now like I'm revisiting like the techniques of sewing and pattern making and all of that and I feel like there's just so many resources online that are accessible. I like, like if, if I hit an obstacle while sewing and I don't know how to do something, like roll a hem, for example, I'll just search, um, like on YouTube, I'll just search like how to roll a hem. And there are so many videos of people like demonstrating how to roll a hem, which is, which makes it so much easier. And I think that goes with a lot of different aspects of sewing um and not only sewing like just starting a brand in general i've had a lot of obstacles um you know a lot of questions that i had and whenever i i would face a challenge that i didn't know i would just look up how to do it on youtube or even skillshare is a great um way to learn something new and they have like free trials um free seven day trials so you've mentioned right. obstacles that you've hit and also just how, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning, there was a lot. I mean, I'm sure even now there's always things that happen mm-hmm. um, in a business, especially yeah. a small fashion brand. So let's get into that. What are some things that you've faced and have mm-hmm. been able to overcome? And if there's any advice or any lessons that you've learned from those things? Yeah, so um, when I first started the brands, I really underestimated the different roles that are required to successfully run a fashion brand. Um, I mean, like being a good designer is such a small aspect of creating a brand. Designing is definitely the foundation, but there are other parts that have to be taken into consideration that I had to learn um, like really quickly on, which is like, customer service, um, how to communicate with customers, how to communicate with seamstresses in different parts of your team, how to price the garment, branding, creating a website, sourcing fabric, and what types of fabrics you're interested in using. Like all those things I wasn't really considering when I started the brand, you know, I just thought, okay, I'll design a dress (laughs) and um, I'll have like either me or like a seamstress that I'll work with make it and I'll sell it and that's it. I wasn't really thinking um, that I had to learn all of these skills in order to successfully run a brand. I can totally resonate with you. It's something that you think, okay, in the beginning, this is how it's like, but as you go on, there's still so many things to learn. 
I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Rebecca Minkoff, a fashion designer, and she was oh, yeah. saying like 15 years later, there's still moments where they think we might need to shut the doors, you know, and it's because there's things that they're, <laughs> they're learning, you know, constantly learning, and it's it's very challenging. Yeah. Has there been anything specific that made you think, you know, what maybe this isn't what I want to do? Um, I mean, one of the biggest obstacles for me is just perfecting my sewing skills. Um, when I started the brand, I felt like, like I knew the basics of sewing, but I, it wasn't something that I was, you know, proud to sell. Like I just didn't feel like it was perfect enough. Okay. So I had to team up with, um, with different local seamstresses and that kind of hit a wall when COVID happened because it like I wasn't able to like visit the seamstresses frequently I wasn't able to go out and source fabrics like I did Mm. so I think that put a lot of pressure on um on me and like what what I wanted to do for the brand long term so And what helped me push through that is just practicing, um, practicing my sewing skills, working on that and letting go of this idea of wanting everything to be perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, I think, I think that a lot of times what stands in your way is this idea of perfection that's unattainable really. So letting go of that and just doing the best I can and, you know, designing what I would personally wear, um, you know, practicing my sewing, all those things really are helping me out during this time. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I find that with anybody that I speak to, when it comes to obstacles, it's it's either money, <laughs> which is a big obstacle yeah. for a lot of people, of course, and... Um, or it's something that's related to the way we think or our attitudes towards something Mm -hmm. or like a trait. So you saying that it's, um, you know, this idea of perfection for you, it totally makes sense. Like a lot of people have an idea or mindset or something that is not aligned with what they're trying to build. Um, I say that in the sense of you need to like break it down (laughs) for you to grow, like break down that belief or whatever it is for you to like grow and push past it. Um, So so interesting you say that, but I totally understand, especially when you're creative and it's something that you are creating. It's, you know, it's your name that's um, under it. If anything Mm -hmm. happens, it's it's all on you. You, Of course you want it to be perfect. So it's totally normal, but yes, it is kind of understanding. I think especially in the beginning where maybe you don't always have the budget as well to make it as perfect as you want it to be. And you have to realise that what you've done for what you have is still amazing. As long as you're resourceful, right? That's Yeah, exactly. I think being resourceful is really important. Mm -hmm. Um I mean that also I guess goes into sustainability and how to recycle fabrics that you already have. Um you know, that's just something that I've been working on currently for my brand. Um, like when COVID started, I had to pause everything until I figured out like what's the best thing to do. And for me, the best thing to do right now is just to create custom orders for now. 
um, working on like made to order and using fabrics that I already have stored away from like when I first started this brand, just reusing that. Perfect. So in general, is the business model made to order or like prior to COVID, was that still the business model? It was made to order, yeah. Okay. Um, so I, um, I did want it to be inclusive um, for all sizes as well. So I didn't want to say, oh, we have like, we have sizes two to 10, you know? Yes. I wanted it to be like open to all sizes. So you would just maybe, if, if you don't see your size online, you can send in your measurements and be custom made to fit. I also, another reason I wanted to make it made to order was because I feel like there's already enough waste in fashion. Like there's, there's enough um, fabric and material that ends up not being used and ends up going to landfills. And I didn't want to be a part of that. So it was really important for me to create something that was sustainable that was um or at least like something that I can do to contribute to this sustainable movement yes I love that my brand is also made to order so I totally totally agree with you and even if you were to move into the ready-to-wear business model in the future at least you'll have you'll have some numbers mm -hmm. that you can rely on um because they're real they're accurate data than guessing like oh this is how many sales i'll get you'll actually know like this is what we've done yeah. with made order so this is potentially what we could do now with the ready to wear line and order responsibly as well so that's amazing so is there anything you do within your brand for sustainability um besides using recycled fabric and the made to order model so I'm still learning, um, I'm still trying to learn more about sustainability and what's the best way to go about it in a small brand. Um, I feel like when we talk about sustainability, um, it's such a broad term, you know, and there are so many different perspectives. There's the consumer perspective of sustainability, um, the way we shop, there's the business perspective of sustainability and how to market a garment. And there are so many different people trying to define sustainability and what it is and what it's supposed to look like. Um, and like, I'm still trying to figure that out. I know sustainability at its core is about being aware of how much waste, um, you know, you're creating and also just buying less and making the most of what you already have or what you purchase yeah um yeah so I feel like with my brand I like I do focus on made to order um for sustainability I also um want to start looking for dead stock fabric which is fab like fabric that's um it's excess fabric pretty much from bigger companies that no longer need that fabric. I think that's a good way to reuse that as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. How would you, how do you think you would define sustainability? 
Oh, good question. Um, well, I guess in the fashion sense, it is being as resourceful as possible and just limiting your waste. I think it's very difficult, especially as a small brand, to try and be 100% sustainable. There are expenses that come with that. Yeah. The fabric, if you buy, you know, sustainable fabric, is also more costly and you have to put that into the price of your garment, etc. So um, with what I do, for example, so yes, Maze Order obviously is very helpful because I only produce what's ordered. I only order the amount of fabric mm-hmm. that's needed for the orders as well I unless I'm making a sample or something I won't order extra like I know exactly how much I need um and even just the way you cut out the fabric it's the little things like that and I always say to aspiring designers who are trying to be a sustainable brand it's the little things that you do and if we all do it collectively it makes a huge difference and you shouldn't feel pressured to you know go and source that sustainable fabric from the other side of the world that traces this and traces that if you can't physically do it because then you put yourself in a position where it's probably a financial stretch and just because you can't do it now doesn't mean you won't ever be able to do it it's literally the baby steps so um even like with my packaging I um you know I buy biodegradable bags mailing bags the boxes are 100% recyclable and you can reuse them as well um tissue paper which is obviously recyclable and you can reuse that if you're going to gift wrap something or whatever so it's in those little things because before you know I was using plastic and I was using satin bags which was like 100% polyester which probably isn't really um great you know so yeah I think it's in the little things and then as you grow your brand and you have more resources especially financially you'll be able to do more that you'd like to do yeah 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 exactly and i find it interesting that you mentioned the cost of um being 100 percent sustainable um i think it's ironic that being sustainable is creating this um somewhat of a privilege when shopping um sustainability i feel like now is coinciding with um creating this divide between different socioeconomic backgrounds, but it doesn't have to be that way. I feel like there's other ways to go about being sustainable, but also being accessible to, um, to different, you know, people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. It doesn't always have to be a privilege to shop sustainably. Yes. I love that you say that. It's actually a conversation I saw on Instagram recently, you know, I understand that the costs are a bit higher, but yeah, it there is a huge gap. You know, a T-shirt that you can get mm-hmm. from Zara for five pounds with a sustainable brand is now eighty pounds, and the yeah. people that are buying that five pounds top from Zara are now being scrutinised because they're shopping from a fast fashion brand, um, and not shopping exactly. from that sustainable brand. But not everybody has eighty pounds to spare on a T-shirt. Um, however, yeah. because it's the early days, I do think that pricing might be a bit tricky for now, but hopefully as time goes by, the methods in which, you know, create sustainable fabrics and things like that, they might become a lot more accessible and a lot more affordable for designers, which will then make it more affordable mm-hmm. for the customer. I think it's just because it's, we're still in the early days of everything, you know, going on. So... But yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a very, very good point. Um, and I guess as independent brands, we can think about how we can still maintain a good price point for our customers. And 
yeah, what that would look like, what would have to invest in or let go of. Um, there's a brand called Mason yeah. Cleo or something, probably saying the name wrong, but they're a French brand and they actually, it's just something uh-huh. I thought of, um, because sometimes like for me, like I spend a little bit on my packaging, but they don't actually use any packaging yeah. because they're a sustainable brand. Um, so they just fold it and put it into like a DHL um, envelope or whatever mm-hmm. and send it out. But it just, it lowers the cost a little, but then it's little things like that, that probably help them. So um, yeah, we'll figure it out though. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned um, Mason Quo. I really love the, the ethics behind their company. Yes. Um, it's just a small brand. It's just a mother and daughter duo, I think, that are creating these clothes um, from sustainable dead stock fabric, which I think is important. But um, I also saw on Instagram recently that their designs have been um, replicated by a fast fashion company. I saw that, And I feel like... Yeah, I feel like that's where the competition between, like, small versus fast fashion, like, comes from because you have small fashion designers that are, um, you know, working on their designs, um, focusing on, like, how to be as sustainable as possible, and then you have a fast fashion brand that creates the same uh, design and sells it for a fraction of the price. I don't feel like, I don't feel as a business we should shame people at all for, you know, choosing to shop fast fashion. I just think they should be more aware and really start to question why a, why they can find the same garment for $10, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe question, oh, this shirt is $10, how much was the fabric was it really this low quality of a material that it would be this cheap and who made these clothes um how are they being paid are they being paid a livable wage um are they living in like a healthy work environment those are the questions i feel we need to ask and we need to hold brands accountable as consumers yes um as opposed to like shaming consumers, I feel like making them more aware of like how their clothes are being made is really important. I also feel like um, it's important to look at what other countries are doing when it comes to sustainability. I know in Denmark and some parts of France, they have a different culture behind shopping and consumerism. They um, for the most part, they'll only buy things that they need. They might only go shopping maybe two to three times a year, but they'll actually like spend money on the garments that they're buying. And they have this notion of using what they buy over and over again for years to come. And if, um, if like a zipper breaks on something that they've bought or, you know, if it's mendable, they'll repair it instead of getting rid of it, which is a great way to um, approach fashion is to to keep it for a long time, to look for quality clothes as opposed to like fast fashion where you know that what you're going to pay for might not even last a year. That's very true. It, it really does start internally. 
it's very hard to just say something to somebody and expect them to change it is an internal decision the thing when when we go and attack people the first thing that they feel is danger like they're being attacked and Mm -hmm. that's when pride and ego get into it and your message is as genuine and as sincere as it is and as caring as you are about the earth and everything it doesn't come across because they're thinking they're attacking me so I don't care what they're saying I'm not going to listen to them I'm going to do what I'm going to do and that's when that's Mm -hmm. very you know ineffective so good communication is so necessary and communication without judgment even if they're still coming across quite strong or aggressive towards you you still have to just be calm and just explain your opinions behind you know sustainable fashion and everything people will listen you just have to approach them in the right way and in a way that's fit for them um but definitely it starts inside and them really understanding why sustainable fashion is really really important because i don't think enough people understand the 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 weight of the situation it's, it sounds like it's a, a them problem, you know, like it's the workers in those yeah. countries. It's it's whoever it is, but it's not me. I think that's where people mm-hmm. are. And it's not until, you know, something really bad happens, like with the climate or something, that will now be like, oh, wait a second. And we don't want it to be too late. So you've started, you've created your collection and you've started this business. And how was the shift between designing being a designer and then now you're an entrepreneur so in the beginning it was a bit overwhelming um you know there were different aspects of the business that i just didn't prepare myself for um i learned quickly on that it's more than just about designing i have to um like really allocate where I was spending my budget for the brand. I had to decide how to price garments, which really um, I had to learn as I went along with this brand. So, yeah, I mean, the what I learned as being an entrepreneur through my brand has led me to create more projects along the way. Okay. Now that I've instilled, um, you know, the business aspects of creating my first brand. But it was really overwhelming at first. And I feel like all the different aspects I probably wouldn't have learned before the brand. So it's great that I did start when I did. And, you know, I'm continuously learning. I feel like this whole process is just a continuation of learning more and more about what you can do for your brand in the long run. Definitely. You just never stop learning. And every level higher, there's new devils, you know, that you have to face yeah. and, and deal with. Um, so what kind of projects have you been able to start? Are they, like, related to the brand or is it separate? Um, they're separate from the brand. Okay. So um, I've been wanting to start a, a magazine for a while, actually, like an independent magazine featuring film photography, but also local small businesses focused on fashion. And I've been wanting to do that because I feel like it's a great mix of fashion and photography, um, which I'm passionate about, but also um, aspects of journalism that I also want to uh, add on to this 
So that's something that I've been working on. I also am planning on starting an, a curated vintage basics, which is more like um, classic pieces like oversized wool trousers, button-ups, styles that don't really follow a trend and can be worn for years. Okay. Made from vintage, mm. um, curated fabric. Amazing. You sound like you love to be busy, which is a bit of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do you manage your time if you've got all of these projects and a fashion brand? Yeah, I mean, it, it is overwhelming, but I feel like allocating certain time for when I want to work on this project is important. So maybe like I'll set out for the day to work on like an hour of news and then maybe an hour of working on the magazine editing. And I feel like it's important to also create subcategories. Like it can be overwhelming to see, oh, I have to work on this today. I have to work on that. It's better to create like, um, like a subcategory for each to-do list. So if I know I have to work on the magazine, I'll create points of what exactly in the magazine do I have to work on today? Is it um, editing pictures? Is it reaching out to little businesses? What is it that I have to do? And I'll try to set out to finish it on that day. I'm curious as well. So on the mindset side of things, is there anything that you do (laughs) to help maintain focus and discipline or anything you're just actively working on, you know, especially like habits that would help? Yeah. So, um, it's hard to maintain focus when there's an underlying feeling of craving instant gratification. So I think by shifting my mindset to reaching long-term goals as opposed to like wanting to release a new collection just for the gratification of releasing something, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's more important to focus on, no, like, let me be patient with what I'm working on. Let me see this through to the end um, instead of releasing it too early, just for the, just for the gratification, just for people to see it early on. I think practicing patience has been really important for, for that aspect. Yeah, especially when you see other brands releasing things as well. And it's not to compare yourself, but you know how social media is and the world is. It's it's very fast. There's always things going on. And there is that kind of urge, like, I need to put something out there. Um, I guess, um, short story, for me, I was like, okay, it's the end of August. I need to definitely release something for, you know, autumn, winter coming up. Um, And... I was trying to create something within a week <laughs> because it's made to order. It's very easy to make yeah. up, you know, make a sample and just post it. And because I sew myself, mm-hmm. it's yes, it's very easy. But I did not have any inspiration. I had nothing coming through, and I just said, you know what? I just need some time. I'm doing a final restock, anyways, of um my lounge pieces, and that will give me hopefully about three weeks to really perfect these rough ideas that I have as opposed to just trying to rush something out there receive some you know great feedback and whatnot and then you don't feel fulfilled after that you know it's it's a, it's a goal and then once yeah. you've achieved it the moment's gone 
Um, and you, you just want to put your best work forward and not fall into the trap of it needs to be done now, it needs to be done quickly. And independent brands like ours that are, you know, made to order especially, they are winning right now and they're not producing things well, new things all the time. They're producing, like you know, a small collection and they're making it for their customers and then they introduce other pieces when and as they'll like, as opposed to always trying to be the first to do something new. I think it doesn't help our creativity um, as much as we think yeah. it would anyways. So that's yeah, true. exactly. I totally agree. Um, I think when it comes to creativity, I really think... Um, you have to be patient with it. I think it does take time. I don't think it's forced. Um, in order to create something really, um, you know, something you're proud of, I don't think it should be compared to other brands that are putting things out. But sometimes it just happens, you know, subconsciously. Sometimes you just see a, a lot of brands just posting constantly and you just, you know, you want to be part of that. Yes, it's true. It's, we're human. <laughs> we're always going to yeah. have those kind of feelings. So what's been a very memorable achievement or experience for you from when you started your brand? Something that just made you feel like, you know what, this is amazing. I love what I do and I want to do it forever. <laughs> so um, I think one of the most memorable things was creating um, a custom dress a photo shoot and the photo shoot actually ended up in Wedding Sparrow it's a bridal magazine and um, I feel like seeing that it really made me feel like like I was actually working towards something I actually had clients who were interested in my pieces and it was just great to see something that I worked so hard on being published in a magazine that is amazing. Congratulations on that. I guess you Thank feel like you. a real designer. Like, this is actually real. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, exactly. The so two last questions. One of them is about money. This is such a sensitive subject for so many people, understandably so. Um, but we won't go into how much money have you got. <laughs> it's just more from starting your fashion brand have you had to shift some beliefs that you've had with money and, you know, work on your relationship with money, things like that? Like, I don't know how your relationship with money was prior and now that you've got a brand, how, how has that mm-hmm. evolved or if it stayed the same? I don't know. Um, I guess when I started the brand, um, I was really conscious about the money that I was putting into the brand, you know, um, most of it was, the majority of it was from my savings. And I just, you know, when you're starting a project, you don't know what the outcome will be, Um, especially if you're putting in, like, your savings and all your hard work and you just really want to succeed in that. So, I mean, I was hesitant from that aspect, from, you know, from spending my money on the first collection. Um, I don't think my um like my idea of money has changed too much from when I first began the brand I feel like it's still the same I'm still conscious about where I'm putting it where um you know where where I'm budgeting everything and 
I like a lot of times there are certain fabrics that I do want to use, but I know I'm limited due to my budget. I know that if I if I even do end up using um, the more expensive material, then I would have to raise raise the price of the garments in the long run. So it's always a balance between how much money you're putting in and how much money you're expecting to get out of the collection. Yes, definitely. That sounds like a very responsible approach. And I think, especially with creatives, we don't always want to think about money so someone else might see that fabric that you're looking at and think you know what? i'm just gonna get it <laughs> don't get what happens i'm just yeah. gonna get it and then they don't realize that actually maybe that wasn't the right time to buy that fabric because i need us actually pay for something else so just that level of responsibility mm-hmm. is, is very very important as a designer and um, what is the vision for you what is I'm not going to say the end goal because I don't believe in that. I think there'll always be something else you want to achieve. But what would be just a great thing for you to achieve for your brand? Um, a great, so something I really, really want to be able to do is to create my garments from start to finish in my home. Um, I no longer like want to... Um, I don't want to like take a design, send it to a seamstress, create a sample, um, go back to the seamstress, create more dresses and different sizes. I want to be able to reach a point where I can do that all on my own. And I'm um, working towards that. I'm working on my sewing, working on my pattern making so that I would be able to do that. And I would be able to cut the cost of what I would have paid my seamstress in order to create garments that are more accessible um, to everyone from different socioeconomic backgrounds. I don't feel that um, my clothes are too expensive to purchase. You know, I I never want to exclude anyone from being able to wear my brand. I love that. What is your pricing range? So it ranges from 100 to 250 okay, depending cool. on the dress um i feel like it could be more reasonable if i do you know cut the cost of seamstresses and do everything in-house mm-hmm. um yeah i think even that price range though for sustainable brand is very good considering that they're literally made <laughs> one by one um so it's still a very good price point. But. I mean, for some, it is a manageable price range, but I always keep in mind that I'm I'm competing against fast fashion brands where, like, I have to put myself in the place of a consumer. Would I buy a dress from H&M for, like, you know, $30, or would I buy a dress for $150? It's always that... Um, that's always in the back of my head. Like, what would a consumer be comfortable paying for? Yeah, that is a very, very good point. Okay, and I guess last thing is, do you recommend any books or podcasts that will be beneficial to others starting a fashion brand? Yeah, of course. So for podcasts, I really love Fashion No Filter. Um, it's with Camille Sherrier and Monica Vinley, and they're both um, 
fashion journalists. So they have a lot of connections in the industry and they bring on people who have had different roles in fashion. Um, I know Clara Cornette was on their podcast, who's a buyer for a huge department store, Galerie Lafayette in France. Oh. Um, yeah, they also had Louis Piaget, who is um, a fashion journalist who creates uh, documentaries like behind the scenes of luxury brands and how they create garments. Um, which was really cool. They had magazine editors. So they have a lot of different people on their podcast um, to learn from. I also love the podcast um, Agani. It's a Danish, I believe, a Danish sustainable fashion brand. And their designers um, are the hosts of it, which is great. Uh, I also love, um, I think magazines are a good a good resource. Um, I think it's supporting independent magazines such as Kinfolk and Unconditional Magazine, um, The Gentle Women, those types of magazines have a lot of um, insightful interviews as well. And their photography and the fashion that they um, that they show in their magazines are very influential. Amazing. I'm going to check all of those out i've heard of fashion no filter i haven't heard of the other one um i've heard i've heard of the gentlewoman magazine as well so i'm gonna have a look through everything because i love magazines podcasts books anything <laughs> always trying to consume as yeah. much as i can but that's amazing okay and that's that so thank you so much for joining that was amazing i feel like i've learned a lot about you and your vision and honestly what you really care about as well I can see that it's not just about having this fashion brand that's everywhere it's really about the customer and making sure that's accessible while still maintaining you know maintaining a great quality and product um and being sustainable so yeah I really enjoyed that thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure talking to you thank you and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and gained a lot of valuable knowledge to help you with your fashion business or career. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. As always, it's been a pleasure. See you next week. Bye.